<clears throat> so, of course, I'm going to talk to you today about world peace because I wanted to pick a light topic for discussion today. I thought world peace would be a good place to start. Actually, sitting here before the service started, I recognized what was causing peace in me. And it was watching you gather and greet each other. It was watching, it was watching our tech team get ready back here uh, for the production. Watching, um, I'm going to ratchet out Jason, watching Jason kind of jam a little bit with the nice light jam that was going on before the service. Uh, Ron and Leah closing the doors. Um, listening to these musicians bring together a vibration that had not ever occurred before. doesn't even matter, you know, if you've rehearsed it before. A performance brings a whole different dynamic to it. And there are those subtle changes, not only in what your hands and your voices do, but also in um, the awareness and the attitude that you bring to it while you're doing it. So all of these are little miracles that I'm watching. Seeing my friend Dolores, hearing Anne, um, listening, having a memory of listening to Hamish's voice last week um, brings me peace. And so... Uh, there are many things that can bring peace to us, but our job today is to figure out how we bring peace. Um, I, I just have to share with you, I heard, I heard part of a conversation about dogs this morning before the service started. I have my little Westie, who, you know, he's a rescue dog, and rescue animals are just so grateful to be where they are. And they don't ask you any questions. They just... They just be. Is that a good grammar? Uh, they, they're, they're just about being. And you know, some dogs, when they're really, really happy and they're glad to see you, they want to bring you their toys and show them to you. And Winston, my, my Westie, I have three varieties of... <clears throat> still got me there? Called a, a wubba. And so Winston loves his wubbas. He will uh, pick one up and bring it to the bedroom because he wants to have his wubba with him when he goes to bed. Last night I was getting ready uh, for bed in the bathroom and Winston came in with his um, next to the newest wubba and he was doing his happy dance. And this was like one o'clock in the morning. He was doing his happy dance to show me that he had his wubba and he wanted to share it with me, that it was bedtime and here's his wubba. And um, I thought, that's what I want to be. I want to be a happy dog with a wubba. I want to be a happy dog with a wubba every place I go so that I can do my part for world peace. So I'm going to keep that image in my mind. And now it's in yours too, so sorry about that. But... Um, but world peace is something that we can do uh, in something as gentle as doing no harm and being kind wherever we go to great acts of bringing peace to the world, activation of ourselves and our actions in organizations or movements or um, uh, ways to shift the way something is occurring in the world to bring about peace. And so there's the whole spectrum of ways that we bring world peace. 
But I'm going to take you on kind of the back roads to get to that, if you'll go with me. Are you willing to do that this morning? I've been a, a fan of science fiction uh, pretty much since I could read. It was either the Bronte sisters and Thomas Hardy, or it was science fiction. And I, I have begun to think in my life for a while that uh, science fiction writers just have a grasp and a vision about the complexities of the universe that are divinely given. That's what I think. I think people like Frank Herbert and, um, gosh, uh, now I can't think of his name, uh, Brandon Sanders, I think his name is, um, just amazing visions of parallel universes. So if you, if you can imagine the astronomical phenomenon that when we see a supernova where a sun has exploded, imploded, made a huge flash of light as it disintegrates, that we're seeing that light years in time and space after it's happened. That still just blows my mind. It blows my mind to go out and look at the stars at night and know that some of those stars may have died eons ago, and I'm still seeing the light from them. That's incredible, isn't it? It kind of just takes it beyond. On the other hand, somebody reminded me of a book that was written about 10 years ago called Proof of Life, and it's about a neurosurgeon who has a um, meningeal infection that puts him in a coma for several days. And during that time, he journeys to... The afterlife, I mean, that's what he called it, but I'm going to call it another life, in which he understood more about the universe than he'd ever understood before, and he's been talking about it ever since, and I'm teasing the idea of teaching a class on his subsequent book to kind of go into that territory. I see affirmative nods out there, so that looks like that's kind of my answer. So... You know, as you get older, you think more about your mortality. You think about what's after this life. And in my work, of course, I've been around death and dying a lot. And it's, it's interesting the way knowing about death informs life. Uh, thinking about death and the ramifications of it tells us more about living. And so death doesn't scare me. What's beyond sounds exciting to me. And the reason I'm putting these two things together is that the span of the universe and the afterlife may not be too far away from each other. Because they both require us to think outside of our traditional ways of framing things. So imagine a world that we've lived on for, you know, forever in our terms, in our span of thinking. We've lived on this planet. Now, just imagine that our sun were to supernova, our entire solar system and beyond was obliterated, and nobody ever has any evidence that we existed. There's no reason to believe that any supernova that we've uh, known about in, in all of astronomical history that the same thing didn't happen, that there were worlds out there that had sentient beings on it, 
that we will never know about. Okay, you still with me on this? What does this have to do with world peace? Just hang with me for a second here. So if there's a possibility that we're living a life and we're existing as humanity on this planet for all this time, that, you know, we could, no, we could at some point, nobody would ever know about us. What's the point? Why bother? And that kind of brings us down to the existential question, doesn't it? Why bother if we're that tiny in the whole universe? And of all the billions of people on the planet, what difference can one person make? In the span of the universe, what is the point of one life? Well, it's everything, isn't it? It's, it's everything. Because everything that we do has an effect on everything else. You know about the butterfly effect. Everything that we do has an effect on the universe. Now, that elevates us, but it also makes us feel really tiny, doesn't it? It brings an incredible amount of humility. Why would we bother if our existence is, in the relative uh, span of the universe, but a, a millisecond? Well, we have to believe, and we do believe, that we are part of the great creative force that we call God. That which is the creator and destroyer of worlds by its own natural cycles. Why do suns, why do, why do stars out there supernova? Their time is done. That's why. And I don't mean destroyer in the sense that there's some great intelligent being out there going, hmm, time for you to go. Any more than the great intelligent being out there looks at a tree and says, okay, you're going to fall off the tree, and you're going to fall off the tree, but not you guys. I don't, God doesn't do that. And I think I've shared with you before preaching. Um, I think I've shared with you guys before that, um, that when I, I read an obituary in which somebody says, um, God called them home, that doesn't ring true for me. That, that's a comforting way to frame it, I'm sure, for many people. Um, but I don't think God just says, uh, I need you up here. I, I don't think it works that way. And I'm still figuring out a lot of that, and I think we won't have all the answers until later, <laughs> if you know what I mean. So what difference does this season of nonviolence that we're in right now, what does that have to do with the whole span of the universe? Only everything. Only everything. I look back at the life of Jesus. We think, from the way the scriptures were written, that he knew that he was divine. 
we think he knew that he had uh, a full knowledge of the Christ spirit within him that made him not just Jesus, but Jesus Christ, just like you could put Christ after your name because that is the spirit of the divine within you. We think he knew that. Do we know if he knew that over 2,000 years later we would have an, an organization based on him? Don't know. But we wouldn't all be sitting here doing this this way if that hadn't happened. So we can take an example from that, as well as taking an example from all the other people whose words and actions have lived throughout history to influence, inspire, and change us. So we are about the same thing right now. And my friends, here's the other woo-woo part of the sermon today. The other part of the sermon today is that we are in a big, big shift right now. We're in a huge transition. Huge. And we can't see the whole picture. Some maybe can. We can't see the whole picture because we're so in the middle of it. But we see evidence of the big shift that we're in because we see this going on, don't we? Don't we see this going on right now? We see divisions in our society that I don't think I've ever seen in my life. In my perspective, you may or may not agree with me, all of the discontent over the conflict in Vietnam pales in comparison to what we're having right now. And it's disheartening. It's frightening. It feels lonely and confused, just like the Daily Word talked about. And so, looking at us from way, 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 way off planet, looking back at us, I just want to go, my God, what are we doing? What is happening here? Well, we're in the big shift. And I can tell you, my friends, that what I've seen on a less seismic um, scale is that whenever we see things begin to stir up like this, it's usually evidence that there is a huge movement on the other side of that, and the two things are battling each other for um, dominance. Not in a warlike sense, but in which will prevail. So we must be doing well on the spiritual transformative sides of our lives if we're seeing this much that doesn't look like that out there right now. And uh, I'm not going to share with you what my white stone word was for this year, but you're going to hear evidence of it in what I speak about, I think, this year. Wherever we see race baiting, we must stand for equality and compassion and conscious awareness. Every place we see that, every place we see ignorance, we must stand for wisdom. 
not just knowledge, wisdom. Every place that we see people small and mean, we have to stand for large and compassionate. That is our job. And right now, I have to say, it feels like a monumental effort. I can get caught up in it just like that and become that which I abhor. Dang it. Please tell me I'm not the only one that does that. Thank you. Man, I found myself getting into a war of words the other day. It was just like, okay. What is going on in me that I feel the need to do that? It's usually discontent within myself, a distraction from what's going on within myself, a projection of what's going on within myself. Dang, it's hard to be human. And the, the, the uh, choice that we have is to be uncomfortably aware of our spiritual nature and that we are called to practice it or to go numb. And I am not choosing the latter. And I will say again, dang it. Because it would be easy to do that. Many of you sitting here have made the choice uh, because it's not uh, uh, healthy for you to use substances to numb oneself. Many of you sitting here have made that um, decision. Or life made that decision for you and you're going along with it. And so, um, man, to be fully awake and aware is our first step toward world peace. And, and I guess my job is to stand here and not only call myself up to that, but to call you up to it too, to call all of you up to it. And we can do it in the most subtle ways. We can do it in the most subtle ways. I have some friends that were hit by that bomb cyclone that hit the East Coast in New England. And so I got in touch, one of, our, one of our people who views us on a regular basis lives on Long Island, and um, I checked in with that family yesterday to say, how are y'all doing? They're safe and warm, shoveling out, you know, trying to shovel out of their homes. Uh, one of my friends sent me a little video, she also lives on Long Island, and said that there were, showed me her second floor window where the, where the snow had drifted into the second floor windowsills. She said, oh, I can't get a good picture of the street. There's too much snow stuck to the window on the second floor. Whoa. Okay. As it goes to 68 degrees here today. I'm a little disappointed. My closet is so confused. It's like, okay, are we doing this side or this side? Oh, we're doing both in one day. Okay, fine. So... Um, so reaching out to those people uh, yesterday felt like a, a bit of world peace. 
And uh, I had some friends on my mind that I wasn't able to get in touch with, uh, but they kept their names kept coming to me, so I just kept sending out a blessing to them. They live up in New England. So those prayers, we talked about praying for others last week. Those prayers that we send out, that's world peace right there. And then we start sending it out to people we don't know, like everybody else on the East Coast in New England right now. And we send out a prayer for peace and sustenance for the people who don't have enough to keep them warm, sheltered, fed throughout this. So we pray for others. That's one way that we have world peace. But my friends, the biggest part of this lesson is that world peace begins just like our song that we sing begins with us. Am I peaceful with myself? And there are ways that we can practice peace, which then creates peace in us. And then there is finding peace with us and being that peace. So that means that we have to have a conversation with our inner critic. We have to have a conversation with death. We have to have a conversation with people that it's hard to have uncomfortable conversations with. We have to have a conversation with um, all the things that keep us from knowing peace. Now, let me just warn you, and you know this, that you don't have to have all your ducks in a row to be peaceful. It's about being peaceful when all your ducks are still running around a little bit. <laughs> Trying to think of them that way. Oh, I see. There's a big duck. <laughs> so, so we start here. Let it begin with me. That's where we start. And that's where we have to keep returning every time we would find ourselves discouraged or engaged with things that are not peaceful in the world. So that our stance internally is not this one. Our stance is this one. This one. This one. That's what we're about. This is not passive. This is powerful. This is powerful. It's easy, and we see it right now. It's easy to get caught up in the mentality of the mob that is pointing us toward our, our transformation, that is uh, leading the charge in the big shift right now to see all the division, to see all the strife, to see all of the separations of peoples. It's pointing the way. And we're here to stand alongside and bring peace to the fray. Calmly, with wisdom, with compassion, with radical kindness, I'm not talking about something easy here, my friends. I'm talking about something that requires us to dig really, really deeply. Really deeply. And uh, we don't get to make exceptions. I found myself saying yesterday 
in the midst of having my own little fit, saying, right now, I cannot tolerate ignorance. Well, how intolerant of me. I'm just being, I just want to be 100% transparent here. That was intolerant of me. And I thought, what would fill in the blank do? Any of the great teachers, what would they do? I would say, oh, beloved, notice your intolerance. How shall you live with your intolerance? How shall you transmute that into something else? How shall you bless those for whom you have felt intolerance? Dang. That's what we have to do. Now, I'm not saying uh, tamp down your feelings, because you tamp those feelings down, they become a story, the story starts to kill you. Don't do that. Notice your humanness. It's okay. But don't stop there. We have, right here within us, all the time, we have that great divine spirit ready for us to surrender to our better angels. And that's what we're about. That's what the world peace thing is. So I deliberately did not bring to you the myriad of quotations there are out there about world peace today. Because you know how to find them. You know what they are. Anne brought you good ones. The Daily Word has brought you good things about world peace. That we have no shortage. We have no shortage of formulas for world peace. But they can become something that we discard because it seems impossible. It seems like something we will not see in our lifetime. It could even be something that occurs on Earth and then the sun supernovas and nobody ever knows that we did it. Except us and our eternal souls who dwell in the realm of spirit forever and ever. Amen. We know. We know. So when I, I talk about the vastness of the universe... It's to highlight the paradox of that magnificent span of space and time and the next breath. Equally vital to each other. Don't think that your shift in thought toward kindness, compassion, and peace for yourself and another does not shift the vibration of the universe, because it does. Just think about the ways that you've been affected by the vibrations of others, living or dead, that have made a difference in your life, inspired and changed you. Can you not look at a poet, piece of poetry from the 18th or 19th century and go, oh, 
that is a vibrational shift because of inspired words. So be that. Be that. It's, it's easy to give a talk on world peace and how we can all achieve it and, you know, gloss over it and give you an easy Sunday sermon. But I hope, I really hope, that I've made you a little bit uncomfortable. I hope that the assignment makes you go, oh man, why'd she have to say that? I hope that at least one time this week, you will very mildly curse my name. (laughs) Because you you can't unhear what we've talked about here today. You can't unknow it. We have to be peace. And it will. It will shift us out of our bedrock that we live in. Because we're all stuck, someplace or another. I mean, I got my example yesterday. I just can't tolerate ignorant people. Oh, boy. The minute I heard the words coming out of my mouth, I was like, oh, man, I know the person I'm talking to is going to call me out on that, and they did. That's why we need each other, you know? My peaceful warriors, dear peaceful warriors, thank you for, uh, for walking this journey this path. Let's uh, pray, shall we? Praying peace upon the world does not take a monumental effort. It takes the shift of a breath, just one shift of the breath, To view all of humanity with loving kindness, all of it. We don't have to like people. We don't have to understand people. We don't have to know people. We don't have to know circumstances. We just have to know that there are other human beings we share this planet with who want the same things we do. There are people all over this planet who wish to live lives of peace, to be free from poverty and illness and discrimination, free from fear, free from loneliness, free from uncertainty. And just as your heart desires this, Know that it is already at hand. The details and the timing are not our business. Our business is about contributing to the peace of the planet right now, where we are, right here, sitting in your chair. To take a deep breath in now. As Anne prayed earlier, a deep breath of oneness and a deep exhale of peace. 
And imagine that blessed breath encircling the planet. Blessing everything just as it is. And elevating all of it with the vibration of your prayer. And one of the greatest acts that we perform right now is to know that yes, it makes a difference even when we don't know. That is faith. That is trust in the divine. It's what we came here for. And beloved, if there are parts of your life right now that are not peaceful, be sure to encompass yourself in that great cleansing, healing, blessing breath that you're breathing right now, the next one and the one after that. in this, this precious moment suspended between everything that was before and everything that is to come. Your prayer makes a difference. Loving spirit, we pray in faith. We know that your peace passes our understanding. And yet we pray. Our intention for a peaceful world is true and pure. And as is said in the great Christian liturgies, hear our prayer, not as an entreaty to change God, not because we're afraid we won't be heard, but to affirm that it is, and we are. To all of you joining us online, we extend the hands of peace and love and compassion and goodness to you.
You are one with us, no matter where you are. And this family gathered in this room blesses you right now. And the word amen means so be it. And will you right now just say with me the word amen, 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 and amen.